Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode six. I am your host, Delton Brack. With me today is my co-host, Haley, as usual. The best host. She is the best host, but we also have a very special guest in the house tonight, which is our good friend, Brian. Hey. I've been looking forward to this for like the past 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> That's about it. It's 15 or 20 minutes. Brian, what's been going on? Don't put me on the spot. I have to put you on the spot. Nothing's been going on. <laughs> We've just been prepping for this podcast with uh, too much giddiness. And, Brian uh, does look legit. I mean, he has a scarf. And I know you guys can't see him, but he has a scarf. He has his earphones on. He has this professional was it microphone and his little book that he'll be reading from. So it looks like he's going in for an audition. Of all the things that I could be nervous about, what makes me the most nervous, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I always think, oh, I think I know what that guy sounds like and I never have a damn clue. So I'm curious if there are listeners out there, what the hell do they think I sound like or look like based on what I sound like? Haley is probably the middle level. I'm the high pitched squeaky one (laughs) and you're going to bring in the bass now. Yeah, that's fine. At it's least a little bit. It's all about that base. Yeah. Right, but don't forget, he's got his world championship heavyweight belt hanging from his Yeah, tripod. I don't know about that best host title that you're holding on to over there. Are you throwing down the gauntlet? Usually. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. All right, so today's episode, in usual Malthouse Games fashion, uh, we are drinking a beer. Actually, we're going to do three throughout the episode this time. Alcoholism! So the first one, <laughs> the first one we're going to be talking about is Arrogant Bastard Ale. It is from Stone Brewing Company. I believe we drank this in episode one, maybe two. So it's one we like. It's pretty hoppy, uh, but we're going to get that opened up and poured for all three of us. Or at least Brian will drink out of the can because he's a real man. I'm going to get all the leftovers. You're going to get our, uh, well, no, we're not drinking from it. You won't get washed back. Never mind. He gave me all the sediment last week. We got this, what was it, the blood orange beer, and he pours half into his glass, pours me the other half. I'm like, oh, man, there's a lot of sediment. He goes, yeah, that's it. Just a bunch (laughs) of orange peel and some seeds. So she got all the sediment at the bottom. And I like how everyone's seeing how mean you are. Your very first episode, Delton's friend pointed out that at one point I said, I don't know why you married me. I'm not that pretty. And Delton goes, yeah, and changes the conversation. (laughs) No, 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 no. I said, it's fine. Which because that makes it better. My coworker loved it, absolutely. He just started laughing in the middle of work and paused it. He was like, oh my god, oh my god, and got my attention. I don't really remember that, but it's also probably par for the course. So I'm over here yeah. so often that it probably just passed right over my head. You're like, just used to all these shenanigans. It's normal. I'll make up for it over the board games next time. So as you can tell with the beer, very hoppy. A little stronger than normal IPA. tastes like shit. I mean, a little bit. It's one of those that I had to get used to. I like it a lot. It's not too bad. I've gotten I've gotten better with the the more hoppy beers. Yeah. Over, over the the last couple of months. It helps when you drink like you been, I know you like the Anthem IPA. When you drink something like that and keep drinking it, you kind of get accustomed. Well, that's how I to got into hop. wine. I found one that I like and now and now it's kind of a disease. <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholism is a disease, Brian. Yes. Got real sad oh, all thanks. of a sudden. <laughs> Can we uh cue the sad music? Sad piano music. Da, 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 da. No, not the no, chunk. I was, I was giving song. a pause for me in post to put in sad music. And <laughs> you ruined it with John Cena's theme song. Yeah, sorry guys, nice. you missed this little outtake. But Yeah, we had a good wrestling outtake a little while ago. <laughs> for anybody wondering, Wrestle Kingdom 12 is tomorrow for us. 
And by that, I mean, we're watching it tomorrow because it will be have like had been two days at the yeah, the recording of this episode. Yep. It's probably I don't know. This will be like a month later. 12 hours past. I think so. Yeah. So we're super excited like 4 a.m. or something over in Japan. <laughs> I think it started for us at like two in the pre-show. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But uh, me and Brian are wrestling fans. Brian is a bigger wrestling fan. Got me into it like a jerk. Uh, Haley just makes fun of us. That's pretty much that relationship. Dalton is a drug dealer's dream <laughs> dream client. Because if he even sees it or smells it or gets if he gets a taste, it's it's a lifelong addiction. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Now he's looking Give me for that the tourniquet. I, I need yeah. that uh need that wrestling hit. This is why we earned our explicit rating. I sure hope so. We're gonna use it tonight with Brian in the house. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, so uh We're never gonna be on Tom Vassal's Dice Tower Network now. Oh. You didn't listen to the early Secret Cabal stuff before they were on the Dice Tower Network. Oh snaps, there's still a chance. If I want to, potentially in the future, but that's one of those things. You know, do you want somebody else telling you Kind of what you can or can't do, or do what we do now, and just kind of, you know, eh, this is our show. We do what Rebel we want. Radio. Rebel Radio. You already have someone telling you what you can and cannot do because you're married. So aside from being excited about wrestling, uh, it's the new year happened recently. Uh, it was I guess it was on Monday was uh, New Year's Day, January first, and we are gonna start playing games soon. We've only played a couple since then. We actually got to play Twa again, which I talked about in episode two or three. I don't remember already. It's way too early. I'm curious to hear about your New Year's resolution because last year you set a pretty lofty goal and you fell <laughs> like failed. a marathon runner about a <laughs> hundred yards shy. Yeah, the marathon goal last year was play every one of my games once. And I think we finished, we played like a hundred and almost 30 different games and we played them 260 sometimes, I think. So we made a pretty good progress on it. It's just that that's a lot to get through in a year, especially with as many games as we have and buying new games and all that stuff. Yeah, I think Gen Con kind of ruined you. Just a little bit. Oh my God, yes. That was like, that was just to keep the marathon reference going. That's like running a marathon and then stopping for a bucket of KFC, like <laughs> kind of right in the middle. It's eating fettuccine Alfredo before the marathon. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Hey, Michael Scott still finished though, man. Yeah, not by much, but right there. Dalton Brack is not Michael Scott. I am not Michael Scott. You are not Michael Scott. I'm not that in shape, but it's okay. But we played uh, we played Twa, which was nice. It took way longer than we thought again, which is most games I play take longer than they're supposed to. But very fun game. I think Brian actually didn't hate it like he did Dominant Species. I like Twa. Uh, it's certainly not for the faint of heart and not for the beginner, the beginning player. I mean, anytime you set up the rules clarification for us, and then it's my first turn, and I look up and I say, so what can I do? (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty difficult game. It's just got a lot of options constantly, and they get bigger and bigger as it goes. And then you would think those last turns, when all the options have been available for like a turn or two, you would think, oh, I know what I'm doing now. But no, you don't at all. Well, there's a lot of give and pull between each player. But I think the fact that the uh, options that you have continue to grow as the game goes makes it harder to plan for. And then it gives you a lot of replay value because it's always going to be different each time you play. That's very true. I like games like that. I mean, they always keep you 
on your toes. You always, you know, it's not easy to be good at those games. And I like that because I don't like games that you can be good at quickly. So that kind of goes along with uh, Agricola as well. It's one where everything, you open up more and more options every single turn. Yeah, I'm still undefeated. Still waiting for my palette to clear from the last Agricola <laughs> playthrough before I try it again. Yeah, we'll have to do Agricola again. I got some promos in the mail because I uh, I did a thing on Board Game Geek where I sent that digital currency in to try to win something, and I won a promo that I wanted, and they forgot to mail it for like a month. You and trading so, in your Bitcoin? Do what? You trading in your Bitcoin? You traded in my Bitcoin and got some... Uh, Got my promo for Isle of Sky, but they also sent me an Agricola promo, which was actually three of them, so that was cool. Isn't Bitcoin through Wizards of the Coast? Or am I making that up? No, they would be rolling in more dough than they're already rolling in if that was the case. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, they're all, they're already Scrooge McDucking it, I don't think. No, Bitcoin's weird because you can farm it through the sheer power of electronics, and I do not understand how that works. But I don't know what you can do there. And then Brian also played, I'm going to move more games here. Cat Lady with us. Ooh, Cat Lady. Which is one of Haley's favorites because it's uh, just simple and cats. She loves cats. So, Brian, what'd you think about it? I love anything draft. And so, Cat Lady, it kind of falls... I would say that if you have played Sushi Go, you're probably going to enjoy Cat Lady. It kind of revolves around the same set collection uh, mechanics. It's just a different style of draft. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a nice, simple one, and... Drafting is always fun. Uh, the best part about drafting is that anybody can do it, but you're not always good at it, which is a perfect segue to lead us into the... Uh, I actually had another game I was going to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. So I played Avalon again Yeah. with uh, my wife and her aunt and uncle and her cousin. How was that? It was a lot of fun. I think everybody except for me and my wife, I think they were all very confused because it's just not a normal board game. Yeah. When somebody says break out the board games, usually the family has a, a different theory of what that's going to be. But this might be the first Avalon playthrough where the good guys have won. Oh, nice. At least while I was sitting down. Wow. While you were there at the table? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you a good guy at that point? I sure was. I caught my wife and her cousin red-handed. Her cousin's about 10 years old. You've never seen somebody so overjoyed to be a villain. I mean, worse than me. At the, for for anybody that hasn't played, it's it's kind of a, a hidden spy deception game. And at the very beginning of the game, everybody closes their eyes, and the spies open their eyes to look at each other so they know that they're in cahoots. Giggling before she even had her eyes closed again. <laughs> so we had to, we had to reshuffle the identities back up and then pass them back out. Somehow she's the bad guy again. And I still hear her giggling under her breath. That's perfect. Reshuffling them and starting again, like it didn't really give anything away because I thought, oh, she's probably still laughing about the previous game, if you can even call it that. But, but no. No, she no, she was the bad guy. <laughs> uh, that's kind of like me. I always get giddy constantly. And you have a tell whenever you're the liar. We've told you about the tell, haven't we, Brian? He scratches his balls. <sighs> no, the drumming. Oh, the drumming. She yeah. says, when I lie, I stop drumming. When he lies, oh, you stop drumming. drumming. Yeah, that's revealed oh, the, in episode five. <laughs> so now I have the to think ADHD about The ADHD finally gets, <laughs> yeah. gets under control. So now I have to think about that and try to continue drumming when I'm the bad guy. That's so okay. When, so when you start drumming like Rush songs, we'll know that, that it's just all a ruse. <laughs> Today is Tom Sai. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, though. Whenever Delton, 
whenever I saw Delton Stern playing a board game, he was sitting there. Yes, he does have a lot of nervous tics. <laughs> I have a whole lot of nervous tics. The crazy thing is, is how I maintain them during recording. That's why this is a, a feat. It's also why I'm sweating, probably. But that might be the beer. That's as well. the nervous tick. It's, it's you can't sweat. See it. That's my other nervous tick. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's very on beat. <laughs> I can feel it now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna sound like a cave. Yeah, like it's perfect. So now I think we should transition. We are gonna be digging and uncovering and lifting the lid on this episode's game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. All right, so now before we kick into the game completely, we are going to open our next beer. So this one is a local Oklahoma company called Anthem. It's my favorite local company. I think it's Brian's as well. And then Haley, I know you like them a lot. Oh, I like them. They're my favorite too. Oh, it's my fave. So they're very good. This is Golden One. It is a Belgian-style blonde ale. Comes in at 7% alcohol by volume. So it's a good one. Nice and light, crisp. One of our favorites. Somebody's going to have to walk me out of here. That's not too bad. Call me an Uber. I mean, you we can do that. You live here now, Brian. You live here now. Sounds like I'm being abducted. You are. Look at these fancy Should little four-ounce four. lines. Four, four, and four. All right, beer's poured. We are now drinking. It smells like Steve peed on this one. This one is a little skunkier for some reason. Did you leave this in your trunk? No, like but I bet it's gr- from like that last those, beer. Like all those girls that you walked <laughs> <laughs> away. So I showed Brian a uh, a horrible Facebook post that I thought was hilarious back in 2012. And it was me. And I said, what did I say? You said, are all girls uh, claustrophobic? Oh, because they, because they all freak out when I put them in my trunk. That was about five months before the Delton and Haley happened. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's 20 year old Delton. That's I, I mean, it's, it's funny, but I wouldn't do it again. Oh, I'm sure all the parents <laughs> out there. <laughs> oh, they're great. I'm sure they loved it. I don't know if her dad had Facebook back then. Oh, he did. Believe me, he scoped you out. He ran your plates like he did a background check on you. Well, he didn't find jack shit because there's not jack shit to find. So, oh, he yeah, found those porno good. mags and he just put them back. He didn't find those. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, I think the biggest thing, it, it doesn't, the porno mags really wouldn't be a bother. Dad found out da- uh, Delton had long hair. Yeah, that was the big one. I was the hippie. I'm still disturbed by it. Dude, it was glorious. Come on. You, were, the, you were there for that, weren't you? No, he didn't know no. Delton with long hair. Oh, you didn't know me when no, all I, I wore were book. black band t-shirts. That and was it. chain now, wallet. Now he's, now he's traded them in for uh, pink wrestling t-shirts. Uh, hell yeah, Rainmaker. <laughs> chain wallet. Ooh, the chain wallet. But it was a tool chain wallet and a Led Zeppelin one. Doesn't make it any cooler. Okay, point. Still a chain wallet. (laughs) Sorry. But still it works. Okay, so moving past the beer and the chain wallet talk now, the game for this episode is one that I think everyone who listens has probably at least heard of, but it is Brian's number one of all time, top choice, prime cuts, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. The cream. She gets it. Do you get it? (laughs) I get it. So Magic the Gathering, this is a collectible card game. It has been around since 1993. It was designed by a man named Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield is known for designing a game called Robo Rally uh, sometime in the 90s. Yeah, I think early 90s. He designed King of Tokyo, King of New York, and as well as the new release of 2017, I guess that was last year, Bunny Kingdom. Oh, so he did Bunny Kingdom? He did Bunny Kingdom. Ah! He also did the original Netrunner in the 90s, and then he helped him uh, make Android Netrunner, the reboot, which is much better than the 90s version. 
He made Magic the Gathering, found out he has a PhD in mathematics, and on my notes over here, let me get these out with the paper sounds, he has a PhD in combinatorial mathematics, like combinatorial mathematics. Don't know what that is. I have no idea. I'll assume you're pronouncing it correctly because... Yeah, combinatorial mathematics, no clue. Found out he was a professor, and then he left the uh, academia, left being a professor, to design full-time for Wizards of the Coast who is the company that produces Magic the Gathering. Um, he's done a lot in terms of games, but Magic is by far the biggest one, and it's Brian's game of choice. Uh, Brian, I'll let you handle how the game plays for the newbies at home, and experts, I guess. Oh, well, I don't want the experts listening. Oh, well, then get out of here. You. You know who you are. You. Steve. Well, back in 1994, when I was in the 7th or 8th grade, I saw some kids uh, at my school playing Magic the Gathering on the gymnasium bleachers. They weren't really my friends, so I didn't go over and intrude. Uh, But I did make a mental note. And the next time I was in the comic book store, I bought a starter deck or some product that they don't have anymore, uh, certainly. And I had nobody to play with, but I pulled the cards out of the box, read through all the flavor text, enjoyed the art, read through the rules. I sure didn't understand it. The only one that I really remember that I grasped pretty easily was a mechanic called Trample. Mm -hmm. And pretty damn solid mechanic because like (laughs) 25 years later, it's still printed on quite a few cards. Not like Banding, which has got to be one of the most complicated game rule mechanics of all time. I don't even know what that is. I couldn't even tell you either. Well, there we go. I would just... (laughs) Those are those for the uh, the expert listeners that you mentioned before. Oh, they've already gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're too much of yeah, a Yeah, we scared them off. That's fine. That's fine. So Magic the Gathering, the way the game is played is you and your opponent both represent planeswalkers who are these incredibly powerful magical beings who are battling each other across the multiverse. So you go through portals in and out of different planes and you battle each other for dominance. And the deck of cards that you've brought to the table acts as your magical powers. So whether it's summoning creatures or casting fire spells, what have you, the entire object of the game is to get your opponent from 20 life to zero. And that's kind of your standard. That's the the very blanket umbrella statement for how the game is played. Yeah, and you kind of have to have that, though, because if you went into any more depth, it would take us six years to go through. (laughs) Well, I've got some notes. Well, yeah. But I'll go through them pretty quick. (laughs) That's cool. Go for it. What do you want to read? Uh, The way the game works is you and your opponent take turns. Uh, It's your turn, then their turn. You can react on each other's turns and still play play spells, so you have to still be paying attention to what your opponent is doing. But the basic structure of the turn, so you'll draw one card per turn. You can play one land per turn. The lands you play help generate mana, and then that mana can be spent to cast the spells that are in your hand. And you do all these over uh, over the course of a few phases throughout the turn, And right in the center of all these phases is a combat phase where your creatures that you've cast and your opponent's creatures, they do battle and you try to knock your opponent off their throne, so to speak. Okay. That's, that's that's kind of the short gist. Yeah. Just of the phases. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long does a typical magic game last? I have seen games last one turn all the way up to, oh geez, I don't know, 20, 30 turns. That's a long game. And it could be anywhere from... I don't know, three to four minutes to 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, a sanctioned magic match has 
I believe usually about a 45 minute time limit. Okay. And it's a, it's a best of three. Usually in tournament play, they go to best of five, best of seven. But for the most part, if you're playing against a friend, if you're playing at your local game store, it's, it's a best of three and you'll have about 45 minutes to complete those three games. Which as a new player can seem long, but once you get the gist of the game, it really does go by pretty quick. There's a lot to process. There's not downtime. Yeah. Because like I said, uh, even during your opponent's turns, you have the opportunity to react. And even on their turns during their combat step, they're attacking you with their creatures and you have to choose which one of yours are going to provide the best protection for you. So you're constantly thinking the whole time. Yeah, you have to calculate literally everything. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but if you want to play on a good level. <laughs> if you want your money to go as far as it can in that tournament, you'll calculate almost everything. Yeah, every combat you have to think about who's blocking what, how much damage they're taking and dishing out, and all those variables. Plus, what's in your hand, what's in their hand, what mana's open, a little bit of everything. Here's the thing, I still suck at the game. I probably won maybe three games in my life against Brian. One I was really proud of, but the other two are just kind of on flukes. But uh, something that I had to learn is that it's okay to take damage. Like, at first when I started playing, I didn't want to take damage because if you run out of your 20 life or whatever, then you're dead. And so I was very reluctant to take damage on myself and just dish it out on my creatures. But Brian showed me the light and showed me that you can take a little damage and keep your creatures and you won't die. Except in my case when I do die because I suck at the game. Absolutely every new player will go through that revelation when they realize that the cards I have in my hand are a resource, the creatures I have at my disposal are a resource, and even my life total is a resource. It really is hard to make those decisions because even it took me until I was playing with you a lot more to come into those situations like, okay, this creature is hitting me for half of my life. If I block with one little wimpy guy to lose a creature, it's not really worth it because you're likely going to win anyway. I have to keep everything I can to hope my next turn can be the best it can be to eliminate it. Sometimes. I mean, given there's, you know, other examples Well, there, we won't but... go too far into the strategy on the game, but yeah. uh, like just to prove your point, a couple of nights ago we did a draft and I put in kind of an all-out attack because I felt like I had you on the ropes. Yep. You were pretty... You didn't! <laughs> He Muhammad Ali'd me, <laughs> son of a bitch. I floated like a butterfly and stung like a 300 pounds rhinoceros that ran through <laughs> into yeah. Brian's life. Yeah, literally the picture on the card. Yep. Um, did it have trample? Yes. Yeah, I believe it did. Ah, look at me go. That's what did it, that 20-year-old mechanic. Yeah. 20, 24-year-old th- mechanic. Yeah, I think that they just celebrated their 25th anniversary like either this year or sometime this past year. Jeez, that's a long time. That's a pretty, that's, I mean, that's a pretty uh, healthy lifespan for a, a board game. And the interesting yeah. thing about it is it's only gotten better. It didn't start out strong and kind of peter out. It's it's getting bigger and bigger every, every uh, set that they put out. But it does. They grow the game and keep adding things to it. And somehow it just keeps getting larger. The whole game keeps going. So speaking of how the game keeps growing and going and, you know, 25 years and all, how do you think... It has survived so long in the model that it has, which is the collectible card game. You know, you open random packs. Good luck getting rares unless you spend the good money on them kind of thing. How do you think it has survived where so many other games, aside from like Pokemon, I mean, all the rest of them have died off. They're just not good enough to stay around. But how has what what is it that's different about magic that keeps it going? I couldn't say this 
for an absolute fact, but to my knowledge, it is one of the pioneers of the collectible card game genre. And with that being said, they've had a lot of resources from the very beginning. I think the biggest thing that they've got going for them is a talented team of designers and developers to make sure that every product is strong. And they've built it in so that it's a consistent thing that the players can always look forward to every couple of months. You know that they're not going to miss that deadline getting that new product out to you. It's been very consistent over the last 25 years. There's always something new on the horizon for the players to look forward to. So even if you have maybe a, a bit of a dry spell or maybe you get busy with uh, college, your job, your kids, you know, your friends, whatever it is, you'll know that when you come back, there's going to be a lot of new stuff for you to experience. And it's always adding replay to the game. So they basically give you the drug <laughs> and improve <laughs> yeah. it to keep you coming back over and over again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like they, they're giving you the heroin and then they're slightly altering it so that it's getting a little bit better or you're getting a different high every time you do the drug. That sounds about right. Heck, they're adding cat cards now so they might convert me. That's true. That uh, commander deck. Yeah. So speaking of commander, does that fit into your notes somehow? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it. Or you just want me to launch into Commander? <laughs> so Magic is played in a couple different formats. I'll, I'll cover this part, I guess. Yeah, you can give uh, the brief overview. So there's different ways to play. Um, there's two main ones, which is Constructed and Sealed. I'll leave that for Brian. I would call it Limited. Limited? Constructed and Limited. Yeah. Brian's the master of Limited, so I'll let him handle that. In Constructed, it is just like it sounds. You construct a deck. So you take all the cards that are out there in whatever you know whatever cards you want, basically, and build a deck out of it. The thing is, if you play tournaments, they separate it into standard, modern, vintage, and they've got, I guess, a couple other ones now. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a there's lot of, legacy there's a lot of different that. formats. I, w <clears throat> I would say that the biggest difference, Constructed is going to be a 60-card deck in most cases that you have brought to the tournament from your own collection. So it doesn't really matter the format, you know, if it's an older format or maybe something that's uh, standard that's the most recent cards. It's all the cards that you own or maybe that a friend has loaned you that you've built beforehand. You show up to the uh, to the tournament or to your friend's kitchen table and you throw it down on the table and you do battle with the cards that you brought. So with Constructed, like right. Brian said, you just build your decks and you play no matter what you're doing. Tournament-wise, yes, there are different stipulations you have to have, but you just build it, 60 cards, and you go. Now, Limited is the other version of tournament play as well as play at home. Brian's the master of that, so I'll, I will let him take off with Limited because oh, he's better at it. I'm not the master by any stretch of the imagination. Who's the master? I am. <laughs> Haley's now the master. I am better yeah. than you, but that's... <laughs> there's that's only, not saying a lot. There's only three people in this room. It's not the highest bar in the world. But that's true. It is It is certainly the, uh, the format that I like to play the most. Limited would be if you showed up to your local game store or to a friend's house and you're actually going to open up fresh packs that nobody knows what's inside and from those cards you're either going to draft where you pick a card and pass the rest to the left or to the right with a, a table of other players or you're going to be doing sealed where you're opening opening up packs and the packs that you've got are the ones that you build your uh, deck out of the biggest difference is it's going to be a 40 card deck rather than a 60 card deck but apart from those small stipulations the gameplay is exactly the same whether you're playing constructed or limited. 
So it just comes down to instead of using the entire pool of cards to build, potentially, you are using a limited pool of cards, which is where the term limited comes from, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. Okay. So drafting is what we like to do a lot of. We find that it is a lot more fun because for me, this is coming from myself as a drummer. I like to use this analogy. If someone says, hey, play something. Well, if I have my entire drum set and no stipulation on what's happening, it's kind of hard to come up with something good and keep it going. But with something like in Limited in Magic, as well as on a drum set, if someone says, okay, play something only in this time signature with these drums. Okay, well, now I have a little more creativity behind it. And I feel like for me, that's what Limited provides. Now, that might be a weird thing <laughs> that's only me, but that's one of the things I like about it. I like just picking all the cat cards and see what happens. Why did we invite you? <laughs> I'm going to lose anyway. Might as well have cats. It's fine. I think we should just stop playing Magic and start keep playing Cat Lady. <gasps> oh my god! Brian, that's the smartest thing you've ever said! That's going to be part of our 10 by 10. I'm going to go ahead and break the steel now. It's going to be part of our 10 by 10. We're going to make it 100 by 100. Yes, no, I, no, we're not making 100 by 100. That'd be impossible. All right, so let's finish the magic talk, and then we'll get into that, because that's part of the end of the episode that we're springing on you. Oh, okay. So we talked about limited a little bit. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about before I move on to the next point that I'm thinking of? No. Okay. So. <laughs> well, you will be back, Brian. I'm sure. <laughs> solid gold rebuttal right there. Boom. Solid. No. So I know a lot of our listeners are mostly going to be friends at the moment. Hopefully that expands. Hello, you. That is expanding. I see you there looking all handsome or beautiful, whichever. They might be gas if they're expanding. Uh... Why did we bring her? <laughs> just, just why? So, Brian, my big question for you now. Why do you like magic so much over every other card game, every board game, probably most video games? What is it that magic has that makes you want to put it on a pedestal and keep it there forever. <laughs> well, Delton, I'm glad you asked. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. I think the reason that I like Magic so much is it's always a challenge. With all of the new products they roll out every time, there's always something new that you have to learn. There's always a new moment where you realize how two cards work together in tandem or how a new deck is supposed to be played. But the thing I like is, although it's very daunting, I think, to the beginning player, there's always that chance. See, if I went up against a chess master, they'd beat me in about four moves. For sure. Because there's zero variance. So if you play very many games, you kind of understand the concept of variance, right? In chess, everybody has the exact same pieces the moves are almost always played out in the same way that's why people can study old matches that have happened you know centuries before because there's something to learn but the game still plays the exact same way every time you put the pieces on the board yeah with magic there are decision uh points to be made even before the game actually starts as soon as i mean even after which deck do i play or which cards are gonna you know squeeze into my 40 card limited deck the very opening hand do i keep this hand do i mulligan to to draw fewer cards but maybe they'll be better there's so many decision points that each game is going to play out differently and as a new player with new cards coming off the top every single turn there's always that chance that you're going to draw that card that you need or you're just going to start with a better opening hand than somebody who's been playing for 20 years you know you could beat somebody who's been playing for 20 years even if you've only been playing for 20 minutes 
because so much of it is reliant upon what's on the top of the deck, what's in your hand. Mm -hmm. And that being said, there's always going to be an edge for somebody that plays more often or has put in the the work to study the format and which which deck that they think is going to give them the biggest advantage. But there's always that chance that the new newer player has to win. The other thing that I love so much about it is there's so many different formats. There's only one way to play Monopoly. You roll the dice. And it's always terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you roll the dice and you move your piece. That's kind of it. I have gone to different uh, websites to kind of further understand the rules of a few games that I have played. I won't call any by name, but the one thing that I find so funny is when I see, uh, I'm looking for a rule specification, and then I see strategies on how the first four turns should play out for you if you are playing this character in this game. Mm -hmm. And to me, that makes for a pretty bad game. Because if you don't know those first couple of steps, you're on the back foot. And if you already know that you're going to do those first couple of steps, why the hell is it fun? Yeah. So the fact that uh, Magic offers so many different opportunities for different kinds of of, uh, formats for play I think is a huge edge you know if you've got five people and you want to play there's a format for that if there's only two of you there's a format for that if you've got eight if you've got ten there's a way that you can play I mean I don't know how many people show up for the pro tour every time but there's a couple thousand and there's a format for that so it's ridiculous so here's some of the formats that I wrote down I would say that my hand was trying to keep up and I still probably wrote this all down in about 45 seconds are you ready Okay, go ahead. Sealed, box sealed, micro sealed, draft, six person, eight person, ten person, Rochester, Winchester, Winston, grid, quilt, rotisserie, auction for constructed, vintage, legacy, block, modern, standard, commander, Canadian Highlander, two-headed giant, and I know I'm missing some. Yeah, that's just an insane amount of formats to play. So there's a lot of different ways that you can play. You'll always find something that you enjoy. And you can always find something within your price point. Yes. For the most part. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah. But golly, I hope so. <laughs> that I feel like that's where the limited <laughs> side comes because you buy the packs, you draft a deck, you don't have to spend money on the deck ahead of time. So those are all the things that I love about magic. There's always going to be a shadow cast whenever there's such a bright light is <laughs> shown upon a game. It's the one time that you actually want to go toward the light, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a scary barrier for entry for a new player to show up at a game store and there's 30 or 40 people there and they all, I mean, in your mind, you're walking through those doors and each one of them has lived in this card shop for the past 10 years. It can be very overwhelming with the number of cards that you have at your disposal. Now, thanks to the internet, you can see how much there is out there to collect. Uh, I will warn you, if you're brand new, do not go into it thinking that you can collect them all. Because it's not, it's not going to happen. It's a very, very bad idea for magic. A very expensive idea. Yeah, that's, that's my third and final negative point, is it's very expensive. I will say, I was reading today, and the Black Lotus, which I believe is from Alpha, is that correct? Yeah, Alpha, Beta. Uh, like the first couple sets. Right. Is the most expensive card in the aftermarket out there today. The highest sold that I could find was a anonymous person purchased a you know how they have that scale of how good something is in mint it was a 9.5 out of 10 he spent twenty seven thousand dollars on the black lotus i have seen it in person for no less than 2500 i just hope that he saved a little bit for alimony he's gonna need it at least that card's (laughs) gonna be right back on the market i can afford all the cat cards a little one one for for one mana 
Not too bad. She can yeah. buy that for cheap. It doesn't do anything. Nope. It's not the point. It's to have fun and be a cat. No. That's all I've made it so far. Brian, go ahead. <laughs> so here's how I think you should get started. <clears throat> if you are a brand new player who maybe has heard about magic from a friend or you saw a video online or you saw uh, an ad for something, I would suggest that you go out and buy something pre-made. A pre-made constructed deck that you could buy and take to a friend's and you could learn together. I believe at the time of this recording, the most popular is probably their Planeswalker decks. Uh, my personal preference is the dual decks. Those don't uh, actually get released as often. I think maybe those only show up once a year. Those pre-made constructed decks will give you a really nice foothold on what is going to be an incredibly tall mountain to climb uh, in the uh, depth of magic rules and uh, mechanics. I would say that the next logical step, once you've gotten comfortable with the rules and the way the game plays and, and uh, the way the game flows between uh, both players, the next place you should start is perhaps drafting in your local game store. It's not too expensive to get started. It's not a, it's not a habit that you want to get into every week if you're on a budget. I know a lot of uh, kids in high school and college play. You can really blow through your allowance or your measly uh, uh, minimum wage pretty quick. I would say it's somewhere between $12 to $25 if you want to play, uh, depending on how the tournament is uh, structured. But you're going to get a look at some cards, and you're going to get a lot of play against strangers, which is always kind of a, a strange um, encounter. Um, it really is. You have to watch them, I feel like. Yeah, you're so it, much more vigilant. Yeah, I feel like everybody thinks somebody's trying to get one over on them. That's not necessarily the case. But you do have to pay attention to what they're doing, because even if they aren't super knowledgeable and they're not trying to cheat you, they might be as new or maybe more new than you are, and they may be missing rules that you're aware of. So if you're if you're in that position, don't be afraid to call for a judge. Or if they miss a rule that's advantageous for yourself, don't be afraid to not call a judge. You should still call a judge. <laughs> you should still call a judge, but you know, there is that leeway you could take if you're a bad person. So I so I would say that that's the next logical step. Uh, you'll kind of start to get a few cards in your collection. You can always uh, trade those cards back in or trade them with your friends. It is a collectible card game, so that's kind of part of the fun of it. You know, getting that last card that you need for your deck is always kind of a nice feeling. But I would say that's a good place to start for getting comfortable with tournament play and then playing against people that you don't necessarily know. No, that makes sense. Nice and easy way to do it. I would say after you've gotten that out of the way and you've gotten some some uh, scratch together and you've gotten a few cards in your card pool to build from, and this is only a personal preference, figure out how to put yourself together a popper cube. Or a peasant cube. I love it. If you don't know what that is, somewhere along your magical journey in the first few weeks or months... Magical. Look it up. It's going to be the most bang for your buck, in my opinion. It's going to be the best way that you can spend as little as possible with while still getting as much gameplay as possible. With a cube, I already mentioned a lot of the different constructed formats, but there are a ton of limited formats that I rattled off as well. Almost all of those are viable with a cube. And a cube really has no limitations on how you can build it. So maybe you've got a couple of rares that you've drafted. You can always throw those in as well. There's no hard and fast rules. You could have a popper cube or a peasant cube with a couple of rares as long as they don't break the format wide open. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're going to get so many different drafts in with your friends. I don't have that many for like getting eight people together for a draft. And that's a chore. That's not always going to be possible. We haven't done that in like two years. <laughs> it's been quite some time yeah. because, you know, as you as you get older, finding time as, as adults, 
becomes increasingly harder, but there are plenty of two player uh, draft formats as well. I think uh, Winchester, Grid, Quilt, I think those are kind of the highlights. Yeah, those are the ones we normally use, especially yeah. Grid. You could also do something like an auction draft. Uh, we had a rotisserie draft with, I think there were four of us once. Uh, it's very time consuming, but it's a whole lot of fun. That would be the next step I would tell you to take. Get yourself a cube together. And then really from there, you just up the quality of your cube. I would say, yeah, I would endlessly. say really, really from there, just kind of slowly build on it. The more and more you feel comfortable, the more cards you start to collect. Here's the things I would warn you against. Don't just buy loose packs for the hell of it and open them up and look at the rare and then throw them in your in your car floorboard. You have to remember to smell them when you open it. Yeah, you could get you a gotta nice... You got to channel that Marshall. You could get a nice little <laughs> whiff if, yep. if you feel so inclined. But even if you just buy a couple of uh, packs, maybe you've got like five packs, right? What the hell could you do with five packs? Well, if you've got a buddy, you could play Pack Wars. There's another format, a limited format that I didn't even mention. See, I knew I yep. was missing some. Yeah, and that's a fun one too. It's super fun and you get a little bit of value out of that pack. I mean, it's $3, $4 to buy that pack. Yep. You open it, you look at the rare. It's not the rare you were hoping it was. It never will be. So why don't you play a game with it while you're at it? And it's just so much more enjoyable. I agree. Pack Wars are always fun. Um, I know some people play them without lands. I think me and you played them with lands. It was like three of each color. Yeah, I think we played with lands. Maybe. And then you don't look at the cards when you shuffle the yeah, deck. Yeah, you can't look at the cards. Which is the most fun because when you draw that hand, you're like, ah, what is this? You can't look at the cards because that would spoil. That, that's kind of the worst feeling is when you get that rare in your opening hand. You're like, well, this thing stinks. What? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It doesn't feel good. But it's that 10 mana rare that I can't even cast. It also doesn't make you wait and build that suspension. Oh, I like the tension. Tension, not yeah. suspension. I'm a moron. It's fine. Tension of <laughs> waiting. Because I just know that that next card is the rare and it's going to save my ass. Hopefully. No, nah, it won't. No, and then you but... get, uh, I can't even think of a bad rare. There's so many of them. <laughs> oh, I could think of plenty. Yeah. All right, so that's a good entryway for new people. Wait yeah. for them to get in. I would say I would say once you've kind of done that and you've played uh, through a couple of set cycles, you've kind of graduated from being a beginner player to an intermediate. And as an intermediate player, the world is kind of your oyster. I mean, you could stay at the local game store, keep winning those prizes. Or you could challenge yourself and go to a local Grand Prix or try for a Pro Tour qualifying uh, event. In any case, you can be as casual or as competitive as you like. And that's the fun of Magic, is taking it at your pace, at your level, and you do what you want with it. Yeah, which you can't absolutely. do that with everything. Absolutely. I believe, and it, you know, everything kind of depends on your playgroup. I believe you were about to ask me a question about Commander. Yes. Yeah. What is it? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so in the world of magic, there are certain heroic characters that have kind of built up a legendary status, if you will. Those are legendary characters. Okay. The legendary creatures have a special place in commander because when you build your deck, you're keeping that legendary creature in mind because the entirety of your deck has to be built within the color identity of that commander. And it's a 100-card singleton deck, which means that you cannot have more than one copy. Normally during Constructed, during Draft. During Draft, you can have as many copies as a card of a card as you like. However many you drafted, that's you can throw that many in. Constructed, the limit's three. And Commander, the limit's one. Uh, and like I said, uh, with Cube, there really are no hard and fast rules. But the origins of Cube always suggest singleton. One copy of each card in the Cube. But uh, Commander, it's a constructed format, 100 cards, including the Commander. 
everybody's life total is not at 20, but at 40, it can be about as wild of a gaming format as there is. Especially with the Vile Smasher. Yeah, Vile Smasher is pretty brutal. That's, that's, that's Haley's commander of choice. Yep, you basically roll a dice and do damage randomly. Yeah, just like you're filling Molotov cocktails everywhere. Uh, commander, I, th- I think this was what you were hinting at earlier. Commander was not always a official or sanctioned uh, magic yeah, it was uh, like format. some player-created thing at first. It was, from what I understand, it was actually the judges. Oh, okay. So during the tournaments that the judges were judging, judging? I guess, is <laughs> the best, I want to say, lording over uh, during the downtime, either before the tournament, after the tor- tournament. Uh, I don't really know how many breaks they really get. They just started up this format called commander just kind of out of nowhere and they decided they would start bringing those decks to the tournaments with them during their downtime yeah that's really cool i didn't know that yeah and then it just kind of blew up and uh, it really became a player inspired format where the players kept it alive and then finally wizards of the coast said hey we like what you're doing here here's some more of it and they just started throwing product it's one of the few products that i usually buy year in year out you just want more and more soul rings yeah, I've, I've probably got a lot of soul rings. Yeah, the value of the soul ring has definitely diminished, but it's still uh, it's it's still one of the best cards. As long as it's on the first turn. Yeah, the first turn. That's the brutal. That's the brutal brutal uh, cube turn right there. Yep. Turn one soul ring. So good. So that's pretty much magic from Brian. That's the big explanation. He's the master in our group. I'm sure is... not the master of explaining it. I feel like I've missed oh, ni- it, 98%. The thing is, there's so much to it. Yeah, there is a lot. I it's one of, a lot. It's one of those games where we play and we go, hey, what happens with this card versus this card? And then you go online and you find the official rules and it's like section 2.4C referencing section 7.89C and it's just this massive log of rules. Like it's it can get real deep, but it's, it's still fun. It's a it's an encyclopedia of a rule book, that's for sure. Definitely. That's why I just stick with the cat cards. She does only stick with the cat cards, which is annoying. Because they suck really badly. She likes those vanilla creatures. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I guess if she made like a pride mate deck, that would be good. That a whole bunch of kitties? Some. Four at most, probably. Anyway, so magic is good. Magic has been around forever like we've been talking about. As Brian knows, magic has influenced probably every collectible card game out there. I mean, majority of them have things that you see and you're like, hey, I bet they got that for magic. Magic did it first because they did everything first. I wouldn't be able to to cite specific games, but it feels like every time we play an LCG or a a collectible card game, we're tapping those cards to do something. I love that. They have the copyright on tap, though. And it's so funny because you can't say Game of Thrones does kneeling. Legend of the Five Rings does bowing. There's exhausting. There's turning. Just every other thing except for tap. And every every instance of that is you turning the card 45 degrees to the right or left. You mean 90? Huh? It's 90. Yeah, that's what I said, 90. Okay. One thing I read online, I thought this was funny, that they tried to patent the actual motion, like the action of turning the card. And I guess the judges said, uh, no. Then they came up with the term. Something like that. Oh, you're talking about the symbol? I think so, yeah. Like they wanted to patent the actual, like the actual physical turning a card to use its ability Uh, or do something type thing. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, why don't we try dice rolling while we're at it? Yeah, exactly. So... They got the term tap, but that's it. But hey, that's you fine. shuffled those cards? Yeah, you owe us a little bit of royalty now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Well, I think that wraps up the game talk. The podcast is going to be the longest one yet, which is fine. So what we'll do now is we will go into the pint-sized question portion of the episode where we will uh, wrap up the show and ask Brian a couple questions. But first, we are going to pour our last beer before I do the transition. Oh, I need to pee now. This is going to be Guinness. It's the epitome It's the gold stout. standard. It's the cold standard, literally cold, of a stout. This is the Guinness draft. and uh, He got that from a joke book, didn't It's he? got the rocket <laughs> widget inside, and it's going to be good. So uh, we're going to open this and pour it while the transition happens, and then we'll come back to some questions. There's a toucan on the can. There's a toucan on the can, and here we go. Follow my nose to the Guinness. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite-sized question. So now we have Guinness poured. We are all refreshed after a nice restroom break. Ooh, Guinness is and so damn good. Do what? Guinness is so damn good. So Guinness, as everybody should know, is nice and smooth and creamy and delicious. We do have the draft cans, which have the nitrogen rocket widget. It's been sitting on the desk for an hour waiting for my lips, and it's still good. I think it's better now that it's room temp. Yeah, maybe. What do you think, Haley? I have to taste it real quick. It's our first sip of Guinness, everybody. That's a lie and a half. (laughs) It's really good. I always forget how light Guinness is, but I think whenever it is warmer, you kind of get the aromatics. When you're 16... It feels like you're drinking cough syrup because all you've had is the crap Bud Light that everybody brings to the party. Or Keystone. Yeah, Keystone. The worst. I went to Stillwater. It was PBR. Oh, well, you can't knock PBR. I'm white trash and I'm in trouble. Hey, you can't knock PBR. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, PBR is good for a cheap beer, but it's the best of the cheap beer. It's still cheap beer. I think Brian's right, though. Like, every time I open a Guinness and have one, I always expect it to be this tar because the first time I had it was whenever I was 20, I think, with Delton. And no, I was older. I was younger than that because Dad gave me my first Guinness when I was 19. And I tasted it. I was like, that tastes like tar. But now it's really light and almost a little fruity sometimes. Yeah. I think. Sure. I don't like it during the summer months. No, quite, not quite at as, all. Quite as much, but it man, it hits the spot. Anytime between, I don't know, September and uh, maybe March. Everything except for summer. <laughs> yeah. Spring and summer. Yeah, thanks for that smart mouth. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, to continue on. So just for spoil, the... Spoils the fun for you, doesn't he? I do. I spoil her fun all the time. Lame. So for the pint-sized question, I wasn't sure exactly what to ask. So before I ask it, we actually have a thing we're going to throw on you. That's important Ooh, to he's us. He's got some feces in his hand, everybody. Yes, I'm a monkey throwing poop now. So, me and Haley, for our New Year's resolution, are going to do a 10 by 10. What that means is... Let me get these papers separated. I like what, the gratuitous paper sound. Just... Yeah. I, that's like a fluttering butterfly. It's a, it's a completely empty sheet, and he's just wiggling it in front of the microphone. Yep. So, what a 10 by 10 is, is our New, new Year's resolution, but... It is a thing a lot of gamers do where they take 10 of their games and they have to play all 10 of those games 10 times a piece during the year. So that way, this isn't as bad as our original plan. It'll make it easier. But I thought what uh, what will make it a little nicer for us is I gave me and Haley the task to come up with four a piece. You, by the end of this, Ooh. have to play bring up the other two. But here's sure. the kicker. You have to be there for all 20 of those plays. 
That way you don't say Twilight Imperium and leave me and Haley over here like, somebody <laughs> come over. Hey, guys, I want you to play this six-hour game ten times. Yep. The other rule is if me and Haley have any overlap, which I doubt we will, if we have any overlap, that gives you another game to choose. You mean that one cancels itself out? Kind of, yeah. So it's like me and Haley have four apiece. If we both pick the same, oh, that would take out two. <gasps> You'd be picking a lot more games for yeah, us. That's that what that seems, means. That's that's a lot. But we keep one of them. We'll go back and forth. I guess that's true. We'll right. see. Yeah, that, yeah, that works. But we'll do that at the end of the question time. All right. That gives you a little time to look at the collection some more, including your own games like Inish and Takedo. So for the question of this episode or the questions, there's going to be a couple. So for the first question, if you could take a Magic the Gathering masterclass from anybody throughout history that knows magic, so that's not too many people. Who would it be and why? Oh, well, that's easy. Me, obviously. I'm learning so much just <laughs> from this little talk. Right. Uh, my choice would be Magic Pro Tour player and Hall of Famer, Luis Scott Vargas. Also known as LSV for people who are in the know, but okay. I've already listed off his resume. The interesting thing about his resume is he's got two Hall of Fame resumes, even like one before he was inducted, and then another one after. Really? Where Yeah, he back-to-back-to-back top-aided Pro Tours. That's which crazy. You would think, oh, well, winning the Pro Tour, that's the, the biggest thing that there is. And it, yeah, it is, but to even make it into the final eight is a huge feat. And then to do that consistently for to multiple do, years in a row. To do it three times in a row is pretty silly. So that's his resume, but what I the reason I would choose him over somebody who may even be better than him is I connect with his sense of humor, and I feel like he would keep me engaged as a teacher. Makes sense. And keep it, you know, keep it fun. Uh, if you've ever watched his uh, magic stream, you know, he tells a lot of funny stories. He also does a podcast uh, that's a, a very great listen. In fact, I would say that it's probably the best podcast about magic. So I'll mention that. For yeah, we can plug that at the end. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. Okay, so LSV for mm-hmm. if you could take a master class from someone. I know the answer to this one, but I figured for listeners, especially anybody out there that knows about magic, favorite card? Ooh. I at least yep. know like the top three, maybe. Yeah, you know the top three at least. The interesting thing about my favorite card is it's whatever the best card in my hand currently is. <laughs> solid de- uh, deflection I, there yeah well here's the th- that's a politician's I'll, answer i'll, I'll let you know i'll name two but th- but there is one that just barely nicks out so i'm a huge value guy when it comes to magic i like it when my cards kind of go above uh above and beyond to to get me the victory so i'm going to say that my uh, second favorite card is snapcaster mage mm-hmm. uh snapcaster mage i'll just tell everybody the stats so that they can kind of have an idea. Sounds good. Uh, Snapcaster Mage costs one and one blue mana. It's a human wizard. It is a two power, one toughness creature. It has flash, which means that it can be cast even on your opponent's turn. And when it enters the battlefield, you can give another spell in your graveyard flashback. So a spell that you've cast previously in the game can be cast again for extra value. And if you can get Snapcaster Mage to come in and out of the battlefield, it's just absolute gravy. It feels terrible as the opponent. Oh, it's so, oh, it's juicy. <laughs> but it's good. 
What about the second one? Okay, so the card that barely necks out, and this is about as value as it gets when it comes to a magic card, is Solemn Simulacrum. Solemn Simulacrum is a four generic mana cost creature. It's an artifact creature. I believe it's a construct. I think so. Two power, two toughness. When it enters the battlefield, you can uh, search through your deck to grab a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. So it kind of accelerates your mana a little bit faster. You see, so you can uh, cast a bigger spell the next turn. And when it dies, you can uh, you draw a card. So if you can imagine, like Soul Ring turn one, uh, turn two Solemn Simulacrum, and then like turn three Tinker, that's just brutal. Yeah, that's kind of all I really want to do. So brutal. See, I was thinking. I knew Solemn was up there. I did not think about Snapcaster. I was oh, thinking Batter Skull. No, come on. Batter Skull is one of the most powerful cards, but it is by f- is is long is a very uh, far distance from being my favorite. It's just yeah, it's, it's so just it's so good, of... but it just doesn't do anything interesting for me. Yeah, I was thinking those, and then I was thinking potentially like Gifts Ungiven. I do like Gifts. I know you like it a lot. I wasn't sure if it's a favorite. Well, here's the thing about Gifts. You actually have to know how to play the game to be able to. to That's play, for sure. Because if I try to use it, it's horrible. Oh, uh, you just go get the worst garbage. Gifts is a very strange card, very powerful, but you, you really have to know what you're doing, and you really have to know how your deck operates to be able to use it as efficiently as it needs to be used. Yeah, that's very true. Who, out of anybody living or dead, we have to kind of pretend that they knew magic at a good level. Who would you have a best of seven against? Your choice, anybody. Who do you think would be the most fun to play against? What's the format? Your choice. Player's choice. Oh, well, we're playing a fictional character? Let's do a real-life character and a fictional. Oh, well, shit. You said it couldn't be a, a pro. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of obvious that you would just say LSV or Marshall or some of the other guys. I don't know any more than just those two, though. Don't tell Brian. Are you guys answering these questions, by the way? No. <laughs> what the fuck? This is the Brian question. I can. I can answer them. I can make something up. If you can't think of anybody, we can't just do fictional. I can't think of okay. anybody. If I had to pick somebody and it's a real person, uh, I would probably choose Marshall Sutcliffe. Uh, Marshall Sutcliffe is the co-host of Limited Resources, which is the podcast that I mentioned previously that uh, Luis Scott Vargas is the co-host of. If I can't choose a pro player, I would choose Marshall Sutcliffe. Because I think he and I are at about the same skill level. I would probably want to do a cube draft. Do a, do a grid uh, cube draft. And I would want to play against Marshall Sutcliffe. Plus, when I watch him play, I know he's taking the game seriously. I've watched, yeah, that's I've, a big thing. I've watched him on live streams. And everybody around him is joking. And you know having a good time. And making kind of light of it. Uh, Mar- Marshall's a stone-faced assassin. <laughs> I mean, he might ch- he might chuckle, but dude, he he's not playing around. So I know he's actually going to try hard and and uh, try to put me on my ass. Okay, that's a good one. So what about the fictional? Answer? Oh, the fictional. Yeah, 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 yeah. You ready for this? Go for it. Come at me, Merlin. Okay. <laughs> Greatest wizard of all time, my ass. <laughs> now, see, with Merlin though, I don't think I I don't think I would want to do cube. I think sealed. Mm. I want to go. I want to go sealed format. I think I want to go uh, Cons of Tarkir format. How about okay. that? Okay. Yeah. Six packs of Cons of Tarkir because I like the morph mechanic. It's fairly recent and it's one of the more recent ones that uh, that I enjoyed a little bit more. That's actually good. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good answer, um, Merlin. 
See, yeah. See, I, I just, I, I just want to go down in history as the best wizard ever, and that's got to be the easiest way to do it is to topple just Merlin. beat Merlin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Haley, who would you play against? You have to answer the same questions. Masterclass, go. I play against Brian because he's nice to me. Wait, <laughs> Wait <you're, laughs> he doesn't make fun of me whenever I lose. Too bad. You're taking the masterclass for me, or you're playing against me. I think she would do both. Both. Oh, come on. What about a fictional character? What happens when you leave the master class even worse than you were when you came <laughs> in? I would play with Winnie the Pooh just because he would have so much honey on his hands, it would make Brian square whenever holding his cards. Oh, bother. They would be his own cards. Christopher Pooh's Robin. own cards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> what about you, Delvin? Real life, if I'd master class, I only really know like LSV and them. Because I don't, I don't watch you don't, it. You don't process as much as the of the content as I do. That's true, exactly. And so I would still say LSV as well, just because I actually have watched a little bit of him with you and stuff, and he's interesting and entertaining and a good player. In terms of a fictional character that I would play with, that's a really difficult one. I would probably say Doctor Who, just because I'm a big Doctor fan. Uh huh. And nonfiction. I'm a Doctor Who. Yeah, nonfiction. Sorry. Wait, no, fiction. What? A Doctor Who's fiction. <laughs> yes, I know. So who's the real life person you want to... You pinned me in this corner, so... No, I said LSV. Oh, yeah, no, okay, that was so, for the master class. Sorry. Yeah, see. yeah, for the fiction, it would be the Doctor from Doctor Who. Uh-huh. For a real life person... The actor that played Doctor Who? Sure. I'm gonna, sure, <laughs> I'm David Tennant. Boom. No. Throwing it out there. No. Uh, I don't know who would be fun to play against. I'm going to say Day like- 9. Yeah. I would love to play with Day Nine. He crossed my mind, but I like I went with Marshall for the for the kind of the other reason. Yeah. So yeah, I think you guys, it it's not as important to you <laughs> to I, to play yeah. the game as tight as possible. That's so true. Day Nine is kind of like your bread and butter for that. <laughs> no, I understand that completely, but it would be fun. What was the last thing? Oh, favorite card. Do you have a favorite card, Haley, or was it just that one cat from the Egyptian set? The one cat. What was that cat called? You're probably thinking of Regal Caracal. I think that's it. Regal the one, Caracal. The, the five mana guy that brings in two more cats with it. Yep. Endless cats. Yes. No, not endless, but still. <laughs> uh, my favorite card that's a really tough one. Basic Forest. I mean, a full art. Come on now. <laughs> Has to be full art. A full art land. Uh, if I, I like the pictures. Choose, do what? I like the pictures. <laughs> They're pretty. If I go off the artwork, I still think that Murderous Redcap is still my favorite artwork. And then, like, a close second is Treasure Cruise. I just love Treasure Cruise. I want to buy a print to hang on the well, wall. We're not going with, with artwork. I know. If I have a card to play with, my favorite one, just because I think it's hilariously fun, what is that one enchantment that's XX and you can lock down? Oh, you piece of garbage. I don't remember what it was, but that card was I, so much fun whenever I, I did like, like you should, four of your creatures. I feel like you should look it up so people aren't just looking for an XX. Do, do we know what it is, though? Huh? Do you have any idea what the name is? No, that's why I'm having you look it up. I can't remember. Oh. It's blue. It's white. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? So I'm going to say it's Quarantine Field. Quarantine Field is a super fun card if you just want to eliminate the other opponent's field if you have the mana. It's just fun. I don't know why I like those kind of cards so much. Is it effective? Yes. Can it be powerful? Yes. Is it fun? No. It's not fun for you. It's fun for me when I take five of your creatures. <laughs> you know what's really fun is when I blow it up and get them all back the next turn. Well, you know, you have to have the right cards for that. The question is, is the artwork pretty? 
It's interesting. It's okay. Yeah, it's just okay. Okay. I think that covers the magic topic officially. And the question, our pint-sized question is done. The pint-sized question turned out to be a keg, everybody. (laughs) It was. It was a whole (laughs) six-pack. So now we're going to do the 10 by 10 to finish this out. I'm excited to hear this. Too much longer. So this is going to be good. So Haley, what's your first one? Twilight Struggle. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're doing Twilight Struggle. <laughs> Not Twilight first. Imperium. No. Twilight Struggle. That is the two-player US versus USSR game. Yeah, what's the play time on that one? Uh, two to three hours. Ooh. It's yeah. going to be a big one. Have, have a good time. Year. We do have a year to do it. So my first choice is Scythe. Okay. Because I want to play it more. We've only played it the, like two times. You've only played it once with us. Right. And so that's one that I really want to get out and play some more. Haley, what's number two? I like Sentry Golems. Okay, so Sentry Golem Edition. Uh, That's a good one. That's nice and light. We can knock that out pretty easily, actually. Uh, My second one is going to be Clank. Uh, That was one of of our Secret Santa games, and I really like it as a deck builder. Brian, you have not played that yet. Not yet. But uh, it's right there with the goofy-looking letters. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited for Clank. Haley, what's your third? Ticket to Ride. I'm going to be bored out of my mind for 10 hours with that game. I love Ticket to Ride. And I'll be at home on my couch. (laughs) I love that game. I don't know why. I know it's really simple, but I just love that game. She also loves boring me, so that's going to happen. Now, Ticket to Ride's good. It's just very simple. You can't expect too much out of it. My third is going to be Flamme Rouge. I want to play more Flamme Rouge. It's a solid little game. Uh, What's your fourth? Custom Heroes. Thought you were gonna say Cat Lady. We're gonna be playing that anyway. That's a good point. So custom That's not heroes. A challenge. So Brian, you weren't the biggest fan of custom heroes. That was the one with the, where the cards go in the sleeves, you know. I I might be given. I might be willing to give it another chance after playing. Christ on a cry. We both just forgot Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. <laughs> Woo. See, here's the thing. I I thought about Patchwork. I thought about Cat Lady. I was like, we're gonna play those anyway because we like those games. Like Sagrada. Sagrada is one of my new favorites. I thought about adding that, but we're going to play that anyway because we like it. Nope, you'll be playing Twilight Struggle. (laughs) We'll be playing Twilight Struggle all year basically now. Okay, my fourth and final one is Village. We only played it the one time, but I loved it and I want to play it again. And I think Brian might enjoy it. That's a might. We'll see. People die. Yep, but I want to play that one more. All right, Brian, do you happen to have two? I thought Haley had one more. No, she went first. You have two games out of anything on the shelves, and yes, you can say something as simple as Sushi Go, which I will be mad at you for, no. and anything as complex as, you know, uh, Dominant Species. No. <laughs> so whatever two no, games that you are eyeballing, you. even if you haven't played them, don't forget the uh, unplayed shelf. My shelf of shame. All right. So the first one's going to be easy. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Go for it. Yeah. Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, so we can finally get through the thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Second. Uh, I'm going to say Mysterium. Okay, solid one. Mysterium is one of my new favorites. I'm a sucker for great artwork, and I like anything that allows you to play as a team with your friends rather than trying to cut each other's throats out. So. Okay, cool. So we've got Mysterium, Pandemic Legacy, Scythe, Clank, Flamme Rouge, Village, Twilight Struggle, Custom Heroes. What were the other two? Century Golem. Century Golem Edition. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. 
So that is our 10 by 10 for the year, which is going to be a good one, I hope. There's some good choices on there, a couple that are okay. All my choices are spectacular. But that'll give us a goal that's more achievable than playing every single one of my games once. Because I did not achieve that, and my to-be-played shelf has too many games on it. So, that's alright. But I think, after the 10 by 10 done with this episode, we can wrap her up. Is there anything else you want to say, Brian, before you go? For anybody looking for a little bit more knowledge about Magic the Gathering, tips, if you just want to absorb some more content... I don't think that there's a game out there that has more content creators than Magic the Gathering. You can find YouTube videos, people who are just passionate about the game, making content just for the sheer fact that they love the game. But you'll also learn a whole lot as well. Uh, The places, I I won't go through an entire laundry list, but the ones I would suggest, uh, go to Twitch, look for uh, Numot the Nummy, (laughs) N-U-M-O-T- T-H-E-N-U-M-M-Y or you can look for LSV or Marshall Sutcliffe Uh, and if you're looking for audio content I would recommend limited resources they've got probably the best quality of a podcast there's plenty more I'll I'll let everybody discover those on their own but those are the ones that I probably get into the most have they even heard about the the championship title yet (laughs) they haven't so for Christmas I got Brian a championship wwe belt from what years was that late 70s no 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 the 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 70s belt was uh i can't think of uh i know i i can kind of kind of remember what it is this is uh i believe the 1988 to about 1996 to 7 maybe i'm kind of guessing i'm kind of winging it i can when i see it i remind it's it's hogan's belt it's kind of how i remember it really Okay, so for Christmas, I got that for Brian. And what we do, he is the champion because he won that game that night, whatever we were doing. I think I, I, won, I, think I won Inish. No, I think, yeah, I won, I won Inish, and then, uh, and then um, I, I did pretty well when we played Deception as well. Yep, and so uh, we gave it to you. <laughs> I, think, I think if I had won a coin flip, you were going to give it to me, though. Just That's just, true. <laughs> just to give it to you. And yeah, then just we did so it, I would have it first. It was but. on the line for Trois. Which yeah, you I put owned it, us. Yeah, I put it on. I put it on the line for Twa, even though you guys had played and I hadn't, because we get about fifteen minutes into it, and I could tell you guys we didn't know what we were you doing. Guys knew about as much as <laughs> I did, so I thought, you know what? Whoever beats me at Twa here, you're the new uh, king of the mountain. But and the I champion still, retains the belt. Yeah, I still stand. So, so he's got the belt, and uh, he probably will for a little bit. But now we've got ten more games to start playing. So that'll help out. Except the two you chose that you have to be a part of are cooperative. Yeah, they're co-op. <laughs> <laughs> the champion it's a, is rigging It's a shared it. championship, guys. We, we did it. You're a heel. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm a heel. <laughs> Don't worry, Brian. We will let you play Ticket to Ride as many times as you oh, would like. Oh, Lord have mercy. Right. Anyway, so that is going to close out the podcast. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed episode six, our long Magic the Gathering episode. Make sure to give us a like and a follow on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, it is at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. Our podcast is on, which you're already listening to it, which helps us out, but we are also on iTunes. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're now in the Google Play Store. We're on Podcast Addict. Pretty much anywhere that you need to look, we're going to be there. If you wouldn't mind giving us a review on iTunes, that helps us out a lot. 
And like I said, just follow us um, on Twitter. I'm also at Delton Brack, and Haley is at Squirrely Geek. S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. Just hit us up. Give us some, you know, comments, questions, anything like that. We also have our email, contact at malthousegames.com. We would love any feedback we could have. If you guys have any questions or something you want us to talk about, uh, just let us know and we'll see what we can do. Brian is not on social media. If you, if you guys have some some complaints or some uh, some feedback, you just channel that through Delton because you're not going to find me anywhere. I will pass it on through as I'm the a, messenger. I'm a grumpy old curmudgeon. Yeah, he's going to he's going to filter it into something that I can manage. I'm a pretty delicate being. So <laughs> um, as you've heard tonight. If, right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to talk to Brian, send it to us as a. As an icebreaker, though, going back to something that I mentioned before that I was nervous about what people thought I might look like based on my voice, I want to see some like tweets or some Facebook messages with a, as accurate of a description as you could come up with. Only accepted in Microsoft Paint. There, yeah, yeah, it has to be a Microsoft Paint <laughs> image of what you think Brian looks like. Whoever the winner is gets a, uh, a signed picture of me wearing the, the flimsy little plastic championship <laughs> belt. <laughs> there you have it, folks. The challenge has been sent out. Hopefully, you enter into the challenge more than one of you, so we have a competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be my my uh, my wife's cousin, ten ten year old cousin. <laughs> That'd be great. And Allison, Doctor Lack, and the ten year old cousin of his wife. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, I think that finishes this out. So, for those of you at home, sit back, relax, have a drink, and play some games. Bye. See you, everyone. Adios, muchachos.